Chapter Three of Beauty's Hour: A Fantasy by Olivia Shakespeare. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three. Doctor Trefusis was the only man who had ever loved me. He was my father's great friend, but I feel sure he must once have been in love with my mother. At least, I can only account for his great affection for myself on some such sentimental hypothesis. When my father died, four years ago, and I was involved in money difficulties, it was Dr. Trefusis who took me in, and eventually got me my secretaryship with Lady Harmon. He wanted me to share his home, but this I refused to do, believing that his affection for me would not stand the test of losing his liberty and his solitude. When we reached his house, he was out, and we waited some time in the library. He won't believe us, Miss Waitley kept saying, and this seemed so likely that I was shivering with nervousness when he at last came in. You won't believe it, said Miss Waitley, but this is Mary Gower. He looked very blank but recovering his presence of mind turned to me and said a cousin i presume of my old friend mary gower oh dr trefusis cried i we have come to you with the most extraordinary story don't you know my voice i am mary but i have got into another body the voice is mary's said he in the tone of one balancing evidence then Miss Waitley began telling him what had happened, while I sat in silence watching the mixture of wonder and scepticism on his face. I noticed also another look when his eyes met mine, a look that was almost devout. He had always been a worshipper of beauty. When the story was done, he began asking questions. My answers seemed unsatisfactory we sat at last without speaking while he looked at me and drummed on the table you are very plausible people he said at length but you can't expect me to believe all this though i'm at a loss to imagine why you should take the trouble to play such a practical joke on a poor old fellow like myself still i'll not be ungracious and grumble for it has given me a great deal of pleasure to see anything so charming in this dull place he got up as though he wished to end the interview i was in despair his determination not to recognize me struck like a blow at my sense of identity then the thought came could i by a supreme effort of will induce a transformation under his very eyes i held out my right hand long and beautiful with delicate fingers that yet were full of nervous strength that said i is not the hand of mary gower he shrugged his shoulders it is not said he look at it i cried then came an awful moment during which i concentrated my whole will in a passion of energy the room went black. I was dimly conscious that Dr. Trefusis had fallen on his knees by the table, 
and was watching the hand i held under the lamp with suspended breath for it had begun to change some subtle difference passed over it like a cloud over the face of the sun its beauty of line and colour faded the long fingers shrunk and widened the blue-veined whiteness darkened into a coarser tint the fine nails lost their shape and grew ugly stunted and opaque dr trefusis spoke no word i felt his fingers were ice cold as he turned up my sleeve and noted how the coarsened wrist grew into the perfect arm he held my hand and swung it to and fro then he left the room abruptly saying don't move i sat still at the table miss waitley came and stood by me mary she said it must be wrong it is playing with some terrible power you don't understand probably we've all got it i answered dreamily it is perhaps a spark of the creative force but dr trefusis and all his science won't be able to explain it then the doctor came back with instruments and microscopes and i know not what and began to examine the miracle at last he looked up at me i can make nothing of it said he but it is the hand of mary gower that is beyond dispute now let it go back he held it in his own this time the change was quicker and he dropped it with a shudder now do you believe me i asked he answered yes and sat lost in thought you had better go home now he said presently i must think over all this there must be some hypothesis miracles don't happen you must let me see you every day i never have understood and never shall understand the scientific theories which he had first built up in order to account for what had happened to me i was grateful for the curiosity and interest that my case roused in him because they led him to help me in practical ways but any attempt at a scientific explanation of the mystery struck me as being irrelevant and not particularly interesting this attitude on my part at once amused and irritated him he gave up trying to make me understand the meaning of his investigations and of the experiments which he made me try for it was not till later that he came to look upon the matter as beyond any scientific solution and only to be accounted for on grounds which he would at first have rejected with scorn i pass these things over because i could not write of them intelligibly and i might be doing dr trefusis some injustice by an imperfect exposition on this occasion i burst in suddenly and scattered his reflections by declaring that i must go to the harmon's ball the next night in my new character the idea seemed to divert him ha said he mary gower wants to taste the sweets of success does she upon my soul it would be worth seeing you my dear 
but it would be difficult to account for the sudden rising of such a star not if you took me and chaperoned and uncled me i said he took a turn or two in the room <laughs> why not he said then with a laugh oh dr trefusis would you really i cried out and seized him by both hands he held them and looked at me oddly he is a man of nearly sixty and my old friend so i could not be angry when he bent down and kissed me i would do anything for a pretty woman said he i felt a sudden pang this was the first tribute offered to my beauty and it hurt was mary gower beginning already to be jealous of mary hatherley we settled the matter with jests and laughter dr trefusis has the spirit of a child and the capacity for making abrupt transitions from the serious to the absurd and he now entered into the plot as though it were a game as though nothing had happened to unnerve and startle him but a short time before i was to be his niece a niece from the country if further inquiries were made and my non-appearance during the day had to be accounted for i was to be a devoted art student an eccentric who gave her days to painting and her evenings to pleasure miss waitley's faint objections were soon silenced we parted with a promise to meet the next morning when the harmon household would be upset and i should not be wanted to choose a ball dress not that that face of yours needs any artificial setting were his last words i only hope you won't repent all this were miss waitley's as we went up to bed End of chapter 3